KFSA in Berkeley, 89.3, KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1, KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover Open Book. Más que en el mundo había unido Dios Dos almas que se amaban, eso éramos tú y yo Por la sangrante herida que nuestro amor dejó Nos dábamos la vida un día en el camino que cruzaba nuestras almas surgió una sombra de odio que nos apartó a los dos y desde aquel instante mejor fuera morir cerca ni distante podemos ya vivir Ibrahim Ferrer from the CD Mi Sueño Ibrahim Ferrer who passed away in 2005 not before claiming his place in history as part of the Buena Vista Social Club in the 1990s as a result of a collaboration between Cuban musician Juan de Marcos González and the U.S. guitarist Ray Cooter, the Buena Vista Social Club became a household name in the United States as well as internationally. This music coming from Cuba, which is an island that is rich in culture and where we have had access to the music of Cuba through a slight opening in the restrictive travel policy towards Cuba. Now, during this week, the Treasury Department has eliminated the, quote, public performance, unquote, category for authorized travel to Cuba. That means no U.S. artists will be allowed to perform in Cuba. This is part of a continuing anti-engagement policy of the current Bush administration, which also continues to deny visas to Cuban artists who wish to perform in the United States. Welcome to Open Book, Friday's edition of Cover to Cover. I'm Amelia Gonzalez, and for the next half hour, I'll be speaking with Bill Martinez, who has been active in organizing against these restrictions. Bill Martinez is an immigration lawyer who has also produced and managed cultural events in the San Francisco Bay Area. In 1981, he co-founded the Encuentro del Canto Popular, a San Francisco-based Latin American music festival. His work with the Encuentro led him to become one of the nation's leading experts in U.S.-Cuba cultural exchanges as well as artists' visas. He co-founded the Latino Entertainment Partners, which produced historically significant concerts of Cuban artists. In 2005, he co-founded the U.S.-Cuba Cultural Exchange, and he's joining me by phone today to talk about the most recent restrictions for artists to travel. Bill, let's start with you describing the Treasury Department's elimination of this category for artists to travel to Cuba. Well, it's not even attempting anymore. It's it's actually almost a done deal. And, wow. and to be uh, um, 
uh, accurate about it. I'm not sure the Treasury Department even agrees with it themselves, but they are um, beholden to and need to respect the their orders, their marching orders from above, and those would be the orders of the State Department, which are policy uh, managers of, of the uh, president. So uh, th- this is actually something that's been brewing for about two years now. Uh, the immediate history of this problem is that um, you know, they've been cutting back on visas for Cuban artists to come here, and that started with the Bush administration coming in and, and eliminating the notion of people-to-people exchanges. That was uh, what gave us an, uh, an open window during the Clinton administration. Uh, February 5, 2004, State Department said, uh, we're not going to uh, allow visas for Cuban artists anymore. We're rejecting people-to-people. We're going to return to something called the Reagan Proclamation, which says all Cubans are artists. Uh, Cuban artists are agents or employees of the government or communist members, uh, party members, and therefore in an, ineligible for entry. Uh, so that was 2004. Around that time, the uh, license applications for folks, for U.S. citizens, residents to go to Cuba to travel to for a variety of, of uh, exchanges, educational opportunities, that started to be cut back as well. And uh, there was a, a small breakthrough in that, and that is in May of 2005, we put together a concert with the group Audio Slave, uh, formerly known and now known as Rage Against the Machine, but during that time period it was Audio Slave. We did a concert there, a live concert at the Malacón, uh, with one day's notice, we had 60,000 kids, uh, uh, young folks out at the, the uh, Malacón, and it was a, a wonderful concert. And we returned to uh, the U.S. after that concert feeling like, well, maybe we can do other exchanges like this. Uh, and I, I do a lot of license applications in my legal work for uh, different projects for um, uh, presenters that want to go there, artists that want to go there and, and perform. Uh, well, we thought we could repeat the audio slave experience and, and offer other concerts there. But our application for a repeat, uh, uh, project, uh, exchange down there was, was stalled in the state, uh, by the, we thought the Treasury Department, turns out it was the State Department. And, uh, we met myself, my, uh, my colleague, uh, Cynthia Simone, who works with me on these projects. Uh, we went to Washington and spoke with the head of the State Department's Cuba desk and said, well, our uh, application for a new concert's been stalled, and you know we have all these great groups lined up. We're going to do a, a, a great event. That at that time, the, any proceeds were going to go to repair windows and in, in hospitals and, there in, in a cancer clinic in Cuba. The State Department head said, "Oh, oh look, uh, we know all about the audio slave event, and uh, it was." And by and large, it was favorably received by folks in Cuba, the, the representatives from the U.S. government that were there in the audience and, and, and elsewhere. But the, uh, there was somebody above us, someone else in the State Department, that was surprised that this license was issued to Audio Slave. It was the only time that a concert was allowed to be uh, recorded and, and produced in a CD. Um, we produced a CD out of that event and a DVD out of that event. It was the only time it was allowed, and, and it was historic, and it was very short-lived because, uh, as the State Department uh, uh, head told us in October 2005, we are now entering an unprecedented anti-engagement mode, so don't be uh, expecting any more approvals of the kinds of uh, activities that you're proposing. No more concerts, no more artists in any way, shape, or form are either going to be allowed from Cuba to come here, nor for U.S.-based artists to go to Cuba. That is over. We're not going to allow that anymore. In fact, and he hinted then, this was at the end of 2005, beginning of 2006, 
he hinted that the State Department was going to uh, order, uh, or excuse me, um, strongly encourage the Treasury Department to write new regulations eliminating the category of public performances so that one of the few remaining ways to go to Cuba would no longer be on the books. Mm. Well, that was 2006, January of 2006. Uh, we come up to um, why this is uh, this, this letter that we put together is so crucial and timely. And it's a response to uh, a, a current um, heating up of the debate regarding U.S.-Cuba relations that uh, Bush's uh, most uh, hardline statement for a couple of years uh, of October of this year. Uh, we couple that with now the reality that the change in the regulations two years later, after the initial warning about this elimination of the category of public performances, uh, it's actually now on desks getting ready to be um, uh, implemented. They're, they're still putting the, the draft together, but it's, uh, we had a conversation with the, the new head, uh, uh, the new uh, representatives of the State Department's Cuba desk uh, about three weeks ago, and that representative told us, oh, yeah, you know, uh, we, it's, it, our, our inquiry into this matter was timely because the head of the State Department, the, the Secretary of State for the Western Hemisphere, Tom Shannon, just met with the head of OFAC, of the Treasury Department. And he uh, met with them specifically to uh, urge that they act promptly on these uh, public performance applications that have been pending. Because after the Audio Slave concert, and around that time, and, and especially inspired by the Audio Slave success, uh, uh, many others wanted to do events there. There, uh, the State Department uh, representative we spoke to three weeks ago told us, oh, there are about 25 or so applications that have been pending for two or three years just waiting and the only reason they're waiting is not that they're going to be approved it's that the uh, treasury department was waiting to uh, refine its, its language canceling the public performance uh, option and they've been going back and forth between the state and treasury department uh, in those past two years but it looks like they're very serious in in eliminating that category now and that's why it, we need to speak out and that's why uh, we were prompted um, both by uh, Bush's statements in October uh, about establishing an even harder line, and, and we were inspired by the letter uh, to the arts community by the prima uh, ballerina of Cuba, uh, Alicia Alonso, uh, about the embargo and about these, these restrictions on, on exchanges. And let's talk about the other side of that in terms of Cuban artists not being allowed to come and, and perform. It's really all part of the, the same mechanism used by the State Department. And none of this actually, uh, to be uh, completely accurate, it's, it's not new in, in the history of, of countries over the centuries over, over person kind. Uh, we've, you know, the use and control of visas to say who's coming in and who's not is, is, is as old as, as um, governments have been around. But in particular in regard to Cuba, and um, it's really interesting when, when I talk about this a lot, I, 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 one of the first things I think of is that, you know, the, the roots of this uh, anti-Cuba um, policy that we have in our government, of course, started with uh, as soon as Fidel got into power and, and people didn't like that. Well, one of the, the mechanisms used to control and turn that thing around was uh, were these variety of, of operations at the CIA and State Department and related ish, uh, agencies um, uh, put in place, and in particular Operation Mongoose. In Operation Mongoose, which is now an unclassified, declassified 
material, they talk about how you infiltrate uh, groups. They talk about how you use visas to uh, have a, a, a maximum major psychological impact on, um, on populations, basically to use the visa process to destabilize. And, and that includes the, the use of visas and cultural exchanges and, and, um, and getting that message out, creating bad guys. And and um, and like I say, to, to destabilize. And then, well, when you want to stabilize a place, that is to say, hasten a transition to to democracy. In steps the United States government to to save the day. As I hear you speak, I'm reminded of the article that you wrote a few years ago about the hypocrisy that comes with who gets visas uh, from Cuba. And you mentioned a. Um, what is it, the Havana, Havana the performers Knight. in, uh, in Las know, Vegas? Yeah, that, that one, that's, you know, it, it can be that we're, we're misunderstood as like being opposed to somehow um, all artists or something if I oppose Havana Nights. I was presented with a, a, an interesting dilemma a little bit um, at the Grammys, the Latin Grammys, uh, a week or two ago. Uh, I was there uh, with uh, Chuchito Valdez, who was nominated for the best uh, CD, uh, uh, jazz CD. And while we're in the audience, we're watching as Orishas came out with Calle 13, uh, Orishas being the great hip-hop group that was born in in Cuba, but now they uh, are all in Europe, Mm -hmm. and they're able to perform. As Orishas is performing, which they're all... um, friends of ours and they, they did a great show uh, and they're surrounded by all the dancers from Havana Night and I'm saying mm. oh my god what am I doing here <laughs> you know but I, again I don't want it to it's not like they're they're enemies it's a, but I'm, I'm trying to understand how it is they got there uh-huh. and, and even Chuchito who I was with why can Chuchito Valdez the son of, of Chucho, Chucho and Bebo Bebo's grandchild uh, how can he be in the United States why can Orishas be in the United States they're my, they're, they're, you know, I, I, they're there because we had to, there was a, a, a real um, barrier that the only way that they could come in and get around the barrier was, in fact, that they resided elsewhere. They basically are, the system is forcing the renunciation of your your homeland in order to have a chance to perform in the United, in the United States. Right. And that's just wrong. It's a control issue. But, yeah, the, uh, uh, Havana Nights, uh, I saw them perform while Orishas was performing. Well, for those uh, listeners that might not know, can you talk about that campaign where they did have to separate themselves from the Cuban government in order to get those visas to come? Yeah, Havana Nights was a project, uh, it was a joint project with a, a German company and a uh, pre- presenting company, touring company, uh, and along with um, the Cuban government, uh, and that is to say with uh, performers who were Organized under an impresa, and all artists are connected somehow with an impresa in Cuba, um, and it's like an association or union. So um, for a while, the, this group had been touring. It had been it had been the jewel of of uh, collaborations between the Cuban uh, Uniac and and that impresa Uniac and and the German company, and they they're toured, representing themselves as as being a Cuban entity. Uh, well, the, the visas were um, approved for this group to come into the United States under very uh, suspicious circumstances where all of a sudden 
they they claimed uh, we don't. they meaning the the tour manager from Europe who was who was coordinating this event with Las Vegas. They said, oh, uh, they're not Cuban. They're uh, really uh, excuse me. They're not connected to the government. They're all freelancers. All 100 or how many of there were? I forget how many artists there were. A large number of artists were in this group. But in order to get the visa so they could perform this gig, this, these events in Las Vegas, they had to. Um, uh, basically say that they, they weren't connected with the, the Cuban government, when in fact they were, when in fact their, pra- their rehearsals were done in space provided by UNIAC, when, when uh, everything that they did really was uh, very much a collaboration, uh, except when it was convenient to, to say that they weren't uh, and to get the visas and the really uh, 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 behind-the-scenes uh, uh, Work that that was involved with that is is sort of uh, exemplifies sort of the selective processes by our our government um, in in sort of not I don't want to say scary or get there sound paranoid but it was very strange an L A Times reporter was looking into this when when this was happening and he was talking to the German promoter and the it was a conference call with them and I think it was their uh, the the person organizing the event in Las Vegas. And in the middle of the conversation, uh, he, well, he asked the question, uh, by the way, how are we sure they're going to get their visas? And all of a sudden, this other, this voice gets on the phone and says, we, this, my name is Dennis Hayes. I can assure you that they're going to get their visas. Well, sir, who are you? Asked the reporter. Uh, Dennis Hayes says, well, um, I'm, I'm, uh, working with this, I'm rep- basically, he was representing the Cuban American National Foundation, the, the uh, uh, right wing organization which, uh, connected with Mascanosa and such. And he says, I-, I can assure you they're going to get their visas. Now, the interesting thing is when he said that, first of all, he came out of the blue, uh, and why was this guy listening on the conversation? The secondly is that um, he knew that the visas were approved when, in fact, technically speaking, they weren't even in the system yet. Those applicants still hadn't submitted formally their applications at the U.S. intersection uh, in Cuba to get the visas to come in here. So very strange going on, and mm. I find the irony of it being uh, in Las Vegas, given the, the history of the uh, San Giacona and all these, uh, all of the, the, the mafiosos that, that you right. connect with old-time Havana. It's, it's pretty heavy when you think a young group of musicians from Cuba. And my guest is Bill Martinez, who's an immigration attorney, as well as a cultural worker and activist who has been instrumental in the flow of artists to and from Cuba. We're talking about the most recent moves of the Bush administration to curb travel by the artist community to Cuba. I'm Amelia Gonzalez, here on Open Book, Friday's edition of Cover to Cover. Bill, tell us who Dennis Hayes is. Dennis Hayes used to be the head of the Cuba desk at the State Department. And just then becoming a private sort of hired gun, and his, hired, his first 
uh, organization that he went to as a hired gun was the Cuban American National Foundation. Dennis mm-hmm. Hayes was the one that first inspired me to get into this whole area of law, and that was because way back in '93, when they denied visas to the group uh, Mescla, um, and we were trying to scramble around to see why it is that their visas were being stalled. Uh, it was Dennis Hayes that told me that uh, when we finally found the file, I said, thank God we found the file. Where, are they approved or not? He goes, they're not approved. And I said, well, give me something in writing and tell me why this is so we don't repeat this mistake. And Dennis Hayes said, you know what? All you need to know is that they're Cubans. That's all you need to know. And he mm-hmm. hung up on me. Mm-hmm. That same Dennis Hayes was the one who interjected himself in in this conversation with the L.A. Times regarding Havana Nights. Dennis Hayes, about two months ago, right around the time of Bush's announcement and, uh, regarding some changes and getting tough, get tough policy, Dennis Hayes wrote an article for something called humanevents.com where he again laid out this line in a very Carl, Carl Rovellian way, uh, about how, uh, uh, how horrible Cuba is and how, you know, we need to continue to put the pressure on uh, the uh, to to be more limited in engaging with Cuba, mm. the exact wrong approach. Mm-hmm. The voice of Bill Martinez, immigration attorney who has produced and managed cultural events, is the founder of the San Francisco Bay Area Encuentro del Canto Popular, as well as a co-founder of the U.S. Cuba Cultural Exchange. And we're talking about further restrictions to Cuba and from Cuba and the organized effort to bring attention to this. Bill, I wanted to quote Alicia Alonso's letter where she states, let us work together so that Cuban artists and writers can take their talent to the United States and that you are not prevented to come to our island to share your knowledge and values so that a song, a book, a scientific study, or a choreographic work are not considered in an irrational way as a crime. What is so dangerous about not having the free flow of creative ideas? You got me. It's because that there is nothing wrong with it. And in fact, it's our, it's our obligation. As, you know, we're going to sound like, like super patriots because, you know, in fact, we are patriots. All we're talking about, and the reason I'm into this is not because of, I'm not Cuban, I'm, I'm Chicano. The reason I'm into this because it's our rights as U.S. citizens to engage with uh, uh, people from other countries. Uh, nothing but, but rumors and bad things happen when you cut off communication, whether it's a domestic relationship or nations. And, I mean, today as we speak, the purpose of, of Bush meeting with the, the people in the, in front, the Palestinians and the Israelis and all that is to engage people because there's no uh, future in keeping doors closed. And, and culture is communication, whether it's, it's a poetry, a book, music, it all communicates. That's why the, the one saving grace that we have in, in what allows there to be anything so far in terms of exchanges of, of information with Cuba is the Berman Act. Uh, Howard Berman wrote this uh, into a law that uh, the executive branch cannot impede the free flow of information. Our contention is that uh, are these concerts going back and forth are our, 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 our informational uh, and and we need to encourage that. Unfortunately, the Berman Act only uh, protects uh, information and, and materials that are already in existence. They don't allow for that, that free flow of information to to include uh, newly uh, developed and, and uh, mm. expressions. Uh, our contention is that, of course, you know, 
again, only good things happen when we when we exchange. And and oh, how much? Imagine what this world would have been like without uh, uh, the ability for Middle America and the rest of us to know the Buena Vista Social Club. Right, right. And now those, got those mm-hmm. you know five or four or five of the main people in in that or, in that group are are gone, and, mm-hmm. and, and we'll never have that moment again. Thank God we had that moment at all. Well, let's end with talking about the effort that has quite a few renowned artists and a lot of grassroots folks signing on to this petition. Can you talk about that? Yes, we uh, started this actually, Lewis Heron, myself and some others started this organization of a year or two ago, but actually it's a longer term effort by many presenters across the country and the uh, Associated Arts Presenters groups and such. Um, it, it, we wrote the letter and, and it's been amazing how uh, many artists got on board with us on this because uh, uh, the groundswell has been is tremendous. Uh, the, the support, including Carlos Santana, by the way. Here's a, a scoop for you. You're the first to know. Carlos just signed on board as well. Um, okay. We're going to have some very famous salsa stars who are going to probably be signing a little bit later today or tomorrow morning. It, this isn't just some, you know. Uh, it, 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 I can, you know, you can see uh, how people would want to uh, pigeonhole us or uh, marginalize us and, and make this seem like it doesn't reflect the whole country. In fact, there's a cross-section of artists and uh, of all disciplines. And as you say, it's not just famous names. There are a lot of grassroots organizers, attorneys, presenters, uh, doctors, uh, teachers, uh, all walks of life that are represented in there. And it's every region of the country. And and. We gotta say something now because, you know, we're at the real, uh, the final stages before regulations are gonna be put into place. Once those regulations are written by the Treasury Department, to undo it is gonna be really hard. I mean, it's gonna take mm-hmm. time. And, um, we're just hoping that there, that the, the voice of the, the, the country will be heard on this and before it's too late. And, and, uh, I mean, literally, they're, they're, they're putting the regulations, uh, cha- the regulation changes in place now. We have to speak out and, and, and be heard. And if the government really does represent us, uh, collectively, you know, um, we have to say something. It, 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 that's how we got into Iraq, was that nobody right. said anything. Mm-hmm until it was too late. Right, and I think it's important to understand that um, the culture of Iraq has, uh, for many, many people in this country, is a mystery. So that it's easy to go into countries when you don't know the culture, right. when you don't know the people, when you don't have a glimpse of their their lives. And I guess that's what uh, is so crucial about keeping those uh, avenues open. For all avenues. I mean, For all avenues, yes. And... and um I mean, our mantra, my mantra, is culture cures. Mm-hmm. You know, communication is what you need. Well, I wanted to end with you giving the information for folks to get uh, get more involved, find out more. Can can you give us places where people can go? Sure. Uh, you can contact uh, me at Bill at BillMartinez.com, or you can contact us at our website, uh, Cuba Information, cubaresearch.info that's www.cubaresearch one word dot info and uh, that'll direct you to our website well Bill Martinez I want to thank you so much for joining us here on KPFA thank you very much you've been listening to Immigration Attorney 
and activist who has been instrumental in the cultural exchange between U.S. and Cuban artist Bill Martinez. Bill is one of the co-founders of Encuentro del Canto Popular and of the U.S.-Cuba Cultural Exchange. And we've been talking about the most recent moves by the Bush administration to stop artists from traveling to Cuba. For more information, you can go to www.cubaresearchoneword.info. We're going out with the music from the Cuarteto Patria y Compay Segundo from Cuba in a performance in Washington, D.C. back in 1989 as part of the Smithsonian's Festival of American Folklife. This collection is part of the Smithsonian Folkways. With Erica Bridgman at the controls, I've been your host, Amelia Gonzalez. Thanks for listening. treats for yourself like a hot springs weekend that you can get while eating from a gourmet buffet, listening to live fiddle and mandolin music, and have it all benefit forest activism? The silent auction will be held Saturday, December 1st, 6 p.m. till 10 at Berkeley's Unitarian Hall, 1924 Cedar Street. You can sip wine and bid on hemp clothes, art, camping gear, movies, dinners, yoga classes, and lots more. Sliding scale admission benefits Bay Area Coalition for Headwaters. Call 510 548 